This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. As you draw near, pray, open our ears to hear your voice, speak to us through your word. And by your Holy Spirit, empower us to be calm in the chaos. In Jesus' name, amen. So there was this TV commercial that amused me a few years ago by a company recruiting for English language lessons, a company called Berlitz. And the scene is in the control room of the German Coast Guard. And you see this senior official briefly orient his new young apprentice assistant to the technology and the radio and the um, rest bits of machinery. And then he slaps him reassuringly on the shoulder, picks up his empty coffee mug and walks out. So his new young assistant is sitting back nervously in his chair, adjusting his tie. And then there's this voice on the radio, a crisp British voice cuts in. Mayday, mayday, hello? Can you hear us? Over. We are sinking. We are sinking. And the young assistant leans forward to his microphone. Hello? This is the German Coast Guard. We are sinking. We are sinking. What are you sinking about? <laughs> and then it cuts to learn English. Now, I mean, I really enjoyed that commercial. It may have lost something in the retelling. You've got to really commit to those, ad those, those accents. Um, but what has it got to do with the sermon today? I mean, not a huge amount, uh, to be honest. Um, apart from one word, sinking. Which might be a good one word to summarize how many people are feeling. And in fact, I was chatting to a friend yesterday after writing the sermon, who just used the word sinking. I feel like I'm sinking. We have that sinking feeling, feeling swamped, overwhelmed, and lost in a hopeless COVID tide fog. For those with kids going back to school or off to college, that sinking feeling. For singles hoping to meet someone in a pandemic, that sinking feeling. For those with family and friends living just too far away, that sinking feeling. For those caring for the vulnerable, that sinking feeling. For those trying to jumpstart a career or just survive the day-to-day, -day, that sinking feeling. Now, I invite you to picture yourself in a normal place, your car or kitchen, or an office, your normal place, and you feel that sinking feeling. What are you thinking about? And then picture yourself in the same place, feeling remarkably calm, even hopeful. What changed? That is what this sermon is all about. From that sinking feeling to being calm 
in the chaos. How? So I'm very thankful for this opportunity to share uh, Matthew 14. And three things that I think help move us from that sinking feeling to being calm in chaos. And these three things are the mountain, the sea, and the boat. How do they help? The mountain, the sea, and the boat. Well, first, the mountain. The mountain is the place where heaven meets earth. Chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately he, Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. Why? As Canon Jonathan reminded us last week, Matthew 14 begins with King Herod beheading John, John the Baptist, cousin John, John who baptized Jesus, suddenly dead. And Jesus, hears the news, hears the news, and grieving, withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him. And Jesus feels compassion, heals many, feeds 5,000, and then again tries to go away on his prayer retreat. And that is why he's going up the mountain by himself to pray. When overwhelmed by loss, he goes to the place where heaven meets earth. For in Jewish tradition, the idea of a cosmic mountain shaped how people thought about Mount Sinai and the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And in fact, I learned that it's possible to see Matthew organize his gospel around seven mountains. There's the mountain of temptation, Matthew 4, the mountain of the Beatitudes, so Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, the mountain of the separation, which is where we are, Matthew 14, of the feeding in the wilderness, Matthew 15, of the transfiguration, Matthew 17, of the Olivet Discourse, Matthew 24, and of the commissioning, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, Matthew 28. So the most significant interactions between Jesus and his father, between Jesus and his followers, happen on mountains, the place where heaven meets earth. Jesus is grieving, so he goes and brings his loss to the place where heaven meets earth. What have you lost in the last six months? Who have you lost? What are you grieving? I mean, as some of you know, in the spring of this year, I and my family were able to go away to a wedding in Southern California, knowing that youth group was this kind of finely tuned machine. And there's this whole structure and a process and a program. And then COVID comes in and takes it all away. And you can't have big meetings and you can't do songs and you can't do conferences and it's all gone. I'm actually quite excited. We're actually going to be starting these porch pods for youth group in the fall, but that's another story. Loss, I would have seen my family in England. Flights cancelled. What have you lost? What are you grieving? Where should we carry our grief and loss, our broken dreams and shattered expectations? Not to the fridge, not to Facebook, but to the place where heaven meets earth. But it's interesting, one commentator observes, instead of focusing on one particular mountain, Matthew features several mountains as settings for important events, suggesting that a person 
not a fixed geographical point, holds the key to understanding how the heavenly realm will break into the earthly realm. The real significance isn't where, but who. Jesus goes to the mountain, but we go to Jesus. Jesus is the place where heaven meets earth. Better, Jesus is the face where heaven meets earth. He is the new temple, the word become flesh, the image of the invisible God. Last week, we saw heaven's provision transform earth's lunchbox to feed 5,000. How might Jesus transform that sinking feeling into being calm in the chaos? We'll get there. But after starting on the mountain where heaven meets earth, we now focus on the sea. Now the sea, the sea, the sea is the power beyond our control. The sea is the power beyond our control. What is beyond our control? The spread of COVID. The unpredictable decisions of other people, including leaders whose decisions may impact our daily lives more tangibly than ever before. Our own mental health. The plans of our educational institutions. There is so much that is beyond our control. And certainly to Jonah, the prophet in our other reading, the sea represented chaos, and loss and death. As Christy read so well, you hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, sinking. To us, the sea is beyond, the power beyond our control, full of threats and fear, and we are helpless. But to Jesus, what is the sea to him? Back to Matthew 14, verse 24. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. To us, the sea is the power beyond our control. To Jesus, the sea is the quickest way to us. The disciples were frustrated, helpless against the waves, weak before the wind, far from where they wanted to be. But to Jesus, full of compassion, the face where heaven meets earth, overflowing with the Father's love, the sea is the fastest way to them. So yeah, when everything kind of kicked off in the spring and youth group had to go online and we had a YouTube live stream and Zoom groups, the theme was called Near. Near. It took the theme from James 4 verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How do we do that? So third, the boat. The boat. We have that sinking feeling. What transforms feeling overwhelmed, being calm in the chaos? We saw the mountain where Jesus took his grief, how Jesus is the face where heaven meets earth and the sea, the power beyond our control, but maybe the quickest way to get to the disciples. What about the perspective from the boat, the normal place, the place where we are and live our lives, that normal, familiar place full of frustration? So a little brief sidebar on boats. A first century fishing boat was discovered in the mud along the shore of the Sea of Galilee in 1985. 
And that boat is now on display, and it's about 27 feet long, 7.5 feet wide, and about 40 feet deep, large enough to hold about 15 people. And I was chatting to Dave and Ginger on their porch the other night, and Ginger said she's been there, and she's seen it. So Wikipedia plus Ginger Weber equals gospel truth. This is the kind of boat. Many of Jesus' disciples were fishermen. This is their normal place, like your car or your kitchen or your office, the normal place, right now full of frustrations and fears. And they had been up all night in a storm, and they were far from where they want to be. And they were on the sea, helpless before forces beyond their control. The sea, the quickest way for Jesus to reach them. And what's the perspective from the boat? Verse 26. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. This is early in the morning. This is still pretty dark. And understandably, the disciples saw through, and they interpreted through the lenses of being tired and overwhelmed. They're not expecting to see a flesh and blood, blood body walking up one side of a wave and down the other. It's a ghost. But Jesus is near enough to hear and to respond. Verse 27, immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now to me, that would be a sufficient end to the story and to the sermon. But Peter has other ideas. Why? Why, Peter? Why? Why do you think it's a good idea to say, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water? I mean, is he looking for a sticker? Best disciple. Is he bored from hours, cooped up on a small boat, itchy feet, needs a leg stretch? Or does he think this is like a slam dunk opportunity to get TikTok famous? Andrew, hold my camera. We'll do the Taylor Swift song later. Why? Why, Peter, do you want to step out? Now, we don't know, but we know what happens next. Jesus says, come. And Peter gets out and walks towards Jesus. And we see Peter's sort of familiar pattern of overwhelming boldness and then overwhelming fear. I will never deny you, Jesus, he cried and denies him three times shortly later. He steps out of the boat boldly, sees the wind, becomes frightened, and begins to sink. That sinking feeling. And the fear overwhelms him. Like Jonah, he's going down, down, down. But Jesus, the face where heaven meets earth, immediately reaches out his hand and caught him. And they returned to the boat and the wind ceased. That sinking feeling has been replaced by calm in the chaos. Why? Same boat. Same normal place. Feels the same to tired hands, looks the same to tired eyes, but it's different. It's calm because the face where heaven meets earth is smiling at them because Jesus is sitting there by them. And it's going to be okay. Verse 33, and those in the boat worshipped him saying, truly you are the son of God. They are still on the sea but it's okay. They're with Jesus who can hold the pain of the past and the fear of the future in his hands. Was it necessary for Peter to step out of the boat? I don't think so. But 
By stepping out in courage and sinking in fear and being caught by Jesus, he demonstrated tangibly to the other disciples that Jesus was sufficient. So let me ask you this question. How might all this chaos be God's most direct route to you? To your heart? To your hopes and fears? How might the removal of those familiar safe strategies and lifestyle habits that we may use to keep God at arm's length, how might losing those expose us but bring us closer? What might happen if next time you felt that sinking feeling, you prayed, Lord, how are you coming near to me through this? How can I know the feel of your hand pulling me out of the sea? Please be right here beside me with us all in this chaos. Thank you that you are the face where heaven meets earth, that you are sufficient in the chaos, that you bring calm, that you have compassion, and that you choose to be with us. Amen.